Well, good afternoon. Welcome to each of you here on this, the ninth day of October 2022 to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. My name is Matthew Kaiser. I'll be our um, worship leader, uh, sermon giver for today. I want to begin by um, acknowledging kind of where we are in the calendar. Um, in the sense that we are in the midst of a worship series with the theme of water. And our passage today is going to be looking at water. Then we also, in our calendar today, um, tomorrow is uh, the second Monday of the month, which traditionally within the U.S. has been Columbus Day which has its own kind of history with that. Um, Catholic, Protestant, Italian, the discovery doctrine of finding, quote unquote, scare quotes, of course, um, this land. And then it's also known um, as Indigenous Peoples Day, which I think Wisconsin celebrates it in that sort of way, but maybe not, I don't know. It's it's this different kind of history, right? Um, and fraught with a lot of conflict and questions. And so I want to um, begin by considering kind of one way that that's been played out here in our community, particularly with Marquette University. And I think it's on the back of the worship program. You have three images there you have the seal of Marquette University. The one on the left is what it used to be until this past March of 2022 when it was changed to the one on the right. And then you have a painting below. So I want to just show you that the seal as it used to be for Marquette, the upper kind of right side of the seal first has the Newman Fluminec, which is like God and river. And then it has these wolves dancing around the kettle, which is a very traditional uh, Ignatius uh, Jesuit symbol of um, the Jesuits were so kind that even the wolves had food to eat. Um, it's an ancient story. Um, and then the, the colors there symbolize um, St. Ignatius family and then on the lower half, you have something that's more kind of Milwaukee-focused, we might say. And you have that white guy pointing, and that's Father Marquette, the namesake from Marquette University. They're on a body of water, <clears throat> a river, maybe Lake Michigan. And then you have a Native American who's kind of looking. And so the way that it's depicted there, it looks like Father Marquette is kind of pointing to the Native American, hey, go this way. Well, that image there is taken from the painting which is below it, which is a painting by Wilhelm Lamprecht from 1816, uh, 1869. And that painting is entitled Père Marquette and the Indians. And what do you notice about that picture? Is Father Marquette giving directions about where to go? He's not. He's actually receiving directions from the Native American on shore about where to go. 
But the way that it was cropped made it give a very, we might say, colonial uh, discovery doctrine kind of perspective. Not accurate, not true, deeply unjust. And so many activists within the Marquette community um, really worked hard to get this seal changed. And it was then changed officially in March of 2022 to what we see on the right-hand side. So the upper half of the seal continues with Jesuit symbolism, but then the lower half has changed drastically. So you have three rivers, the Milwaukee, the Kinnikinnick, and the Menominee River. And then you have um, sheaves of like, wild rice, um, three of them depicting the three main nations who were here, the Potawatomi, the Menominee, and the Ho-Chunk, and who are still here, of course. And then Ad Maiorum Dei Inglorium is uh, the Jesuit, um, I'm not sure what the proper word would be, um, it's the Jesuits' uh, tagline, uh, to the greater glory of God. Um, all the Marquette buildings on campus, I think that's included in their cornerstone. Um, it's often abbreviated to A-M-D-G, Ad Maiorum Dei Glorium. So, thank goodness, after much work, that seal was changed to honor um, the people who were here first. And so I, I give that as a way of some context for this time in our year and what will be celebrated or talked about or disputed tomorrow um, and to give a little context to that as we then offer our land acknowledgement for our service today. The land acknowledgement can be found in Voices Together 878. Let us speak these words together. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. We affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous peoples the Potawatomi, the Ho-Chunk, and the Menominee. We give thanks to Creator and to those peoples who have stewarded this land for generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and worship here as we witness the reconciling movement of the Spirit and seek to live into right relations with our indigenous neighbors and all of creation. Our main scripture passage today is from Exodus 17, which we'll hear in a second. But for our call to worship, um, to what within the Catholic tradition of praying is the invitatoric, the, the beginning psalm that begins every day of prayer, we're going to read uh, or hear Psalm 95. And I want you to, to, to listen particularly for the echo, or we might say maybe not so much of an echo, but an explicit reference 
to the Exodus 17 passage that we will hear later on. Psalm 95, may this be our call to worship. Come, let's sing out loud to the Lord. Let's raise a joyful shout to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanks. Let's shout songs of joy to God. The Lord is a great God, the great king over all other gods. The earth's depths are in God's hands. The mountain heights belong to God. The sea which God made is his along with the dry ground which God's own hands formed. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture, the sheep in God's hands. If only you would listen to God's voice right now. Don't harden your hearts like you did at Meribah, like you did when you were at Massah in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and scrutinized me, even though they had already seen my acts. For 40 years, I despised that generation. I said, these people have twisted hearts. They don't know my ways. So I, in my anger, I swore they will never enter into my place of rest. Our first hymn is in Voices Together 41. For you, O God, my soul. I believe this might be a new hymn for us. Um, you will hear uh, words from the psalm that we just heard in 95 as we sing this. So if you're able, please stand. 41. Please turn to Voices Together 888 for a time of confession. 
Friends in Christ, God knows our needs before we ask, and in our asking prepares us to receive the gift of grace. We open our lives to God's healing presence, seeking peace with God and reconciliation with our neighbors. We are mindful not only of personal evil, but also of communal sins of family, class, race, and nation. We confess to God whatever has wounded us or brought injury to others, that we may receive mercy and become for each other ministers of God's grace. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. In that hope and that assurance, let us sing our praise to God. If you are able, please stand, voice together 80. We sing to you, O God. him which is 606 guide me O thou great Jehovah
Exodus 17, 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community broke camp and set out from the Sin Desert to continue their journey, as the Lord commanded. They set up their camp at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people argued with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were very thirsty for water there. And they complained to Moses, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with this people? They're getting ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of Israel's elders with you. Take in your hand the shepherd's rod that you used to strike the Nile River and go. I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Hit the rock. Water will come out of it and the people will be able to drink. Moses did so while Israel's elders watched. He called this place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites argued with and tested the Lord, asking, Is the Lord really with us or not? The word of the Lord. So I've entitled my thoughts today, what have you done for me lately? You know this phrase, maybe? Well, today's scripture from Exodus 17 fits nicely with the water theme of our current worship series. I mean, water comes from a rock to quench the thirst of the Israelites. It's a very cool story. It's got water in it. However, my focus this afternoon is not on that miraculous aqua event. Instead, the question under consideration that I offer to us today is the one that the Israelites asked God in verse 7, the very last verse of our reading for today. Is the Lord among us or not? On the one hand, I think this question makes a ton of sense. I mean, they're thirsty. They need water to survive. And they're going to where God told them to go. It seems entirely reasonable for them to feel the urgency of the situation. We're in need here. God, are you going to show up? On the other hand, it feels and seems like the Israelites have forgotten the way that God has provided for them thus far. So let's just consider a little bit what the Israelites have experienced to get to this point in the story in Exodus 17. So the big one, they were freed from slavery in Egypt through those 10 plagues. That's in Exodus 12, kind of finishes up in Exodus 12. Is the Lord among us or not? 
Then God led them to the wilderness. And interestingly, the wilderness was actually, we might even say, God's grace to them. It was seen as a safer route that kept them away from the Philistines. But how were they to make their way in the wilderness? Well, God gave them a pillar of cloud to guide them by day and fire by night so that they might travel day and night. That's from Exodus 13. Is the Lord among us or not? Then they get to the Red Sea with the Egyptians in hot pursuit. And God parts the waters of the Red Sea so that they might cross on dry ground. Is the Lord among us or not? Then they come to a place where there is water. But it wasn't pleasing water. It was really bitter. So God says, throw this wood into this water and it makes it sweet. Is the Lord among us? That's Exodus 15. Well, what are we going to eat? God provides manna, just enough for each day. And then two days' worth for the Sabbath. There's also some quail that was provided as well. Every day they had manna. Is the Lord among us or not? That's Exodus 16. And then we get to our passage for today. We don't have any water. So God showed up in at least five instances there that I just mentioned, from Exodus 12 to 16. But what about now? God, you're only as good as your last miracle. How will they choose to remember? What will they choose to see? Is God among the Israelites only when things are answered to their satisfaction? In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, how will we remember today? What will we choose to see? Is God among us only when things are answered to our satisfaction? Psalm 95, it's interesting the way that that psalm is laid out because the psalmist is kind of speaking the first seven verses there. But then in verses 8 and 9, the voice changes, and it's, it's like the psalmist is giving God's perspective on the situation. And it's like God is saying, don't harden your hearts like you did at Meribah, like you did when you were at Massah, in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and scrutinized me, even though they had already seen my acts. There is a certain critique that God is giving about how the Israelites voiced their concerns in the wilderness. 
It's like they failed to demonstrate faith that God would provide for them or that the presence of the struggle seemed to indicate the absence of God. Is the Lord among us or not? I wonder, is there a way the Israelites could have acknowledged their fear, their need for water, legit, real, while also demonstrating faith that God was with them? that they would remember that God would provide for them in ways that only God could? Though our setting is much different from the Israelites, I think the question persists to our day. Is God among us or not? Is God really with us or not? We see things in our world. We see things in our community. We see things in our own lives, and we wonder. What would it look like to be real about the challenges we see and experience and also have full-throated trust in God's presence and in God's provision? I want us to be able to do both. I want us to be honest about the challenges we face. And I want us to be able to trust that God is present in our midst. I wonder if one way that this can be nurtured is in the retelling of the stories of God's work in the world and in our lives. I mean, I think this is a significant reason for why we, together, why we gather together as church, to worship God and to hear again the stories of God's presence and work in the world. The God who was present in the ancient stories of the wilderness is the same God who works within you and me today. Whatever is newest and whatever is most recent or whatever seems most compelling is not always what is maybe what is most important or maybe doesn't tell the whole story. The Israelites were in dire straits, and God was with them. They had stories to remember, and they had stories to tell. I envision that what this looks like, to be honest about the struggles while trusting God's presence, I envision that this is really messy. This is not a call to grin and bear it. This is not some spiritual form of fake it till you make it. Instead, I think it's a commitment, a recommitment to hear again the stories of Scripture. It's a practice of prayerfully reflecting on how the ancient stories of Scripture connect with us today which, by the way, is, I think, what Jay Landry is planning to do next week. So come back next week for that. And it's the courage to share those stories of God's Spirit working in our midst. May God give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the courage to testify that God is with us.
To begin our response time, we're going to sing many and great voices together, 128. You're welcome to sing the Dakota if you would like. I'm going to be singing the English, but you're welcome to sing whatever you wish for these two verses. Many and great, O oh God, are your words, maker of earth and sky. Your hands have set the heavens with stars. Your fingers spread the mountains and plains. Though at your word the waters were formed, deep seas obey your voice. Great unto us communion with you, O star of For our prayer time, we're, we're going to sing our, our prayers for all the things that we've, we've heard and the things that might continue to be in our hearts and minds that we're not expressed outward at this point. And that is um, Voices Together 744, Shepherd Me, O God. And uh, <clears throat> there's the refrain, which you're welcome to join in with me in that. And then I'm going to sing the, the first three verses. Um, but may this be our, our prayer with all that we've heard and all that we've shared today.
fears from death into should wander the valley of death. I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Your Lord and your staff, my comfort and my hope. Shepherd me, O give special thanks to Liz and to Eric and David. Um, Rebecca helped me with the bulletin and there's others of you who helped to get things set up. Um, thank you for making this possible today. Any other announcements? Then I invite you, if you're able, to stand for our closing hymn, um, which I think might be a new one for us in church, I believe. Um, Eric's going to play it through once, and then um, we'll sing, Go Now in Peace. The worship continues, 829. Peace and joy and love.